She was born in the Midwest and she has been a serial entrepreneur for years. She is now a creative business growth strategist for people who want to start their own business or who want to grow the existing one. Her expertise in counseling, psychology, and entrepreneurship helps her support her clients in creating the success they desire on their terms. She is the author of the best-selling Permission to Leap and has been seen on The Today Show, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Yahoo, and more. Firecrackers, please welcome Bree Seeley. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. So I met you, Brie, because we have uh, Ginger the Connector, which was also my podcast as, uh, you know, she was the one who kind of introduced us. I'm yeah. so glad she did. Like when I met you in New York, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe there are people out there like you. <laughs> it was so cool. I loved our, um, I loved our happy hour. Yeah, it was really cool. And, and, you know, just talking to you, I realized that there's so much that you do and so much that you, I mean, the way that you think about things in general, like I can completely relate to a lot of what, you know, we spoke about. So um, I think it's really important when you meet people and if you're going to work with them, because, uh, you know, the audience will find out later, but I'm currently working with Bree. That kind of, um, you know, that feeling that you get, that chemistry is so important. I agree. What do you think also makes it, um, you know, when you're starting specifically a business relationship, what else do you think is really important to look out for? You know, one of the things, because so I used to have a business partner um, and I learned about a year, year and a half into our business that we actually didn't have the same values. And it was something that like, I didn't know to even know or ask. And of course that was, our business partnership was very much like a marriage, but even going into hiring contractors now or working with clients or whatever, that's really one of the top things is like, I really look at what are this person's values? You know, do they have values where they're working 24 seven and they expect you to respond to an email from them at midnight instantaneously? Or do they have values that include boundaries? Do they have values where they want to make a lot of money in their business? Or do they have values where they hate money and think it's evil? Like there's just so many, there's so many like layers that can go into it. But it's really important to me now when I work with other people, whether it be client relationship, a partnership, a vendorship, you know, whatever, that we have the same values. And, um, you know, it's come to light even a little bit in the last year that I have attracted in some people that don't have the same values as me. And so I'm just really clear. We talked about right before we got on the phone, you know, I had someone that wanted to potentially be a private client. And this person was like, oh, well, can we, can we do like half the commitment that you usually do with other people and, and do like half the cost? And I looked at him and I was very straight. And I said, I, 
only work with people that are all in. And like, that's a really important value for anyone, whether it be a client or whoever I work with. And so I'm just very upfront now and I'm very unapologetic about it. I communicate what my values are. I ask other people what their values are to make sure that we're in alignment. Because if you're not in alignment, oh, things get tough. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think it's really like, I think what that's one of the things that I really like about you. And it's the fact that you are completely, like you just mentioned, unapologetic and you just say it like it is. And I think it's important that people learn how to call other people's bullshit in a way, you know, like to take a stand. And for example, that, I mean, that regard specifically, you know, this is my, these are my values and I want to protect them. And I'm, I don't, I'm not settling for anything less than this. Um, Mm -hmm. I think people need to learn more of that. I think people get really afraid of communicating that, those kinds of things, because there's a lot of people that think like, oh, well, it's, it's going to create drama or it's going to, it's confrontation. And I'm like, for me, communicating who I am, what I need, what I'm about has nothing to do with confrontation. It literally just has everything to do with me being like, this is me. This is who I am. This is what works for me. And I want to align myself with other people who are in that same space. And if you're not in that same space, super cool. Doesn't like no skin off my back, but I don't want to play in the sandbox with you if like you want to hoard all your toys and not be like in a communicative collaborative space, right? So for me, again, it's not about like being combative or being argumentative or any of those things. It's just like, oh, cool. You want you want to be half in. I only want to work with people that are full in. So like when he sent me the email and was like, you know, I just don't think it's, I don't think I want to move forward at this time. I was like, great. Awesome. You're not my person because you only want to be half in, which doesn't work for me. And like, I hope you find someone that can help you be half in. And like, I I wish you the best in that. So it's for anyone listening, like when you're setting boundaries and when you're communicating your values, it's not about making the other person wrong. It's not about being argumentative. It's about just standing in your truth being like, this is what works for me. You can align with that or not align with that. But like, I, I can't bend to be someone different to make you happy and nor should you bend to be anyone different to make me happy. Yes. And I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, it is in the end, it boils down to, to boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think many people have a lot of problems setting boundaries, both in their personal and their professional lives because they think it's going to make them less likable. But like you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's not about being combative or being, you know, just mean in general. It's not being aggressive. It's more like, this is my space, dude, and you're going to have to respect it. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, I wish more people could um, learn how to, you know, set their boundaries and actually make them, like enforce them in a way that they feel comfortable with. Yeah, with absolutely. Yeah. I think part of it though too is that like we're just not taught to even get to know ourselves enough to know what we need in order to then set the boundaries. So I think there's a huge faction of people that just don't have boundaries because they don't know themselves enough to know what their boundaries are. And so I think that all of this really truly starts with the self and with introspection with, you know, having a quiet time to be with yourself. So many of us fill our calendars constantly with like all these 
the stimuli and the stuff and these things and these people and these commitments, we don't make space in, in order to get to know ourselves. And so we don't know our values. And I'll be the first to admit, I had never even sat down and done core value work until the end of 2016. So I was 33 going on 34 by the time I even sat down and understood what my values were. And I've been in the personal development space for 10 years and I hadn't even done it. So I think, I really think a lot of it stems down to the fact that a lot of people just don't even know themselves well enough to know what works and what doesn't in order to then communicate that to the world around them. Yeah, absolutely. That is, I think I, I can appreciate that in the sense that I've, I also went through something very similar, but I also find that, um, you know, that introspection that you talk about, that inner work, it's it's hard. I mean, it takes guts. Not so everyone hard. is up for it. Yeah. I mean, people are like, yeah, just, you know, meditating. No, it's not. I mean, meditation helps. Of course it does, but it's a lot more than that. It's really getting to know yourself, like you mentioned, but it's not only the good parts. It's also the parts that are in light. Parts that are That's light. literally exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we don't just get to look at the pretty parts when we look at ourselves. Like, yeah. we get to witness all of the, the old stuff, the old patterns, the parts of ourselves that we don't like, the mean parts of ourselves, the angry parts of ourselves. Like, all of these expressions of emotion that we're also told and taught not to express or experience, especially as women, like we're not quote unquote allowed to be angry. And so we, when we experience anger, we just shove it down. But when you start doing the introspective work, you got to look at your anger. Like you don't don't just get to pick and choose what you look at. Mm. You got to look at all of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this talk about knowing yourself and, and I know that you, you've been doing a lot of um, personal development work for a long time, but you've also been an entrepreneur for even longer than that, right? Yes. So um, I would really like to hear you talk about that journey. So I grew up, I was raised by an entrepreneur and it's so funny. I would look at what my mom went through as an entrepreneur. She first owned a daycare and then she owned a candy store. And then she owned um, a dancewear company. Um, And then now she's still an entrepreneur. She does Airbnbs. But I watched what she went through like with the daycare and with the candy company. And so after I got my master's, I was like, whatever I do, I do not want to be an entrepreneur. That was like the one thing I knew I did not want to do. (laughs) So what did I do? I started a business. (laughs) Um, I was living... So I have a bachelor's and a master's in fashion design started sewing when I was five. I've always kind of known like it was a thing for me. I designed my own prom dress. I actually was a model for a while. Like just, you know, I was just like in it. And so when I went to college, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'll study. I'll just like hone up on my skills and whatever, whatever. So when I got out of my master's, I got a costume design job, which I quickly quit. I was working for pennies and I was like, I am not meant to be a starving artist. And so got a day job. And while I had the day job, I was like, man, I'm a secretary. I need something to keep my creative juices flowing. I don't want to lose my fashion design skills. I don't want to just become like, you know, a mindless eight fiver. I need to start something. And so I started a business. And at the beginning, it was just like, you know, a bridesmaid's dress and a prom dress and like one here, one there, little by little. So that was in 2007. By 2012, I was showing at the largest fashion trade show in the States. I was picked up by Phoenix Fashion Week 
to do their accelerator bootcamp, did wow. their program, won, got picked up by Zappos, then got asked to do LA Fashion Week, then was in Women's Wear Daily. And a, like it just kept going and kept compounding. The problem became, I realized I didn't like being in the business of fashion. I like fashion and I like being an entrepreneur. But when you combine the two, I am not happy. And a lot of it is that having a fashion business does not align with my core value of freedom. So I shut down my fashion business and like a week later realized that people have been coming to me being like, how did you build your business? I want to know how to be an entrepreneur. Teach me all the things you know. And when I was, had my fashion business, I would respond back to them and be like, I don't do that. I'm a fashion designer. Good luck. Go find a mentor somewhere else. Like I'm not, I'm not your person. And I realized that like, I'm a really, 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 really good entrepreneur and people wanted my help. And so that's when in 2015, I pivoted into starting to be a coach. And it's taken me, you know, I'm, I'm entering into my sixth year in business, which is awesome because 50% of entrepreneurs don't even make it this far. My first year, I was just kind of like getting my legs under me and like really understanding what does it take to run an online business? What kind of coach am I? How do you have a sales call? Like I was kind of learning all the building blocks. Second year in business, things started exploding. I was immediately having like five-figure months, was running groups, was running free challenges, had my first like $50,000 month, 90 days later, did it again, had my first six-figure year and like everything just kind of like kept spiraling upwards from there. So it's been a journey. And that's one thing that I like to stress is that entrepreneurship is not start a business on day one, become a millionaire on day two. It doesn't work like that. It's a process. It's a journey. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes dedication. And um, I'm so glad that I did it. And now I'm so glad that I get to teach other entrepreneurs to do it for themselves successfully as well. Before we started this call, you were talking about, you know, the investments that you do for your business. Yes. And you were telling me that you invested on a very high ticket coach that yep. helped you grow in your business. So I think it's really important for my audience who are entrepreneurs um, to, to hear you talk about that. Because like you just said, it is a journey and it, no man is an island and you can always learn from other people, especially people who are absolutely 100% dedicated to help others to grow their business. Yes. Well, I think what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, is that we get into owning a business because we're passionate about something, right? So like I even look back at my fashion business and I started it because I wanted to do fashion. I didn't start it because I wanted to run a business. So a lot of people get started or, you know, like coaches, they get started wanting to coach, but they don't understand what it actually takes to run a business. Because again, like I said, being a fashion designer was one thing. Running a fashion business is a completely different experience. So it's funny that I actually hired my coach before I knew that I was shutting down my fashion business, but it was divine timing as life always is. And thank God I had her on my side because I shut down my fashion business very quickly after an insight that I had in a meditation. And it was scary because I had just committed this very, very large sum of money and then immediately turned around and shut down my, my only revenue source whatsoever. And so I was like, cool. So I just made this big financial investment 
And now I have no money coming in. And not only do I not have any money coming in, I don't have any way for money to come in. But I stuck with it because I knew that that's what I needed. And the reason I did it was because I knew that by making that investment, I was going to learn everything I needed to know to successfully run a coaching business. I learned from her energy. I learned from her alignment. I learned from her you know, sales calls, developing up offers, understanding how to communicate those offers and the value behind those offers. Like I learned from her so much. And it is literally... So I, I invested in 2015. I invested 400 times more than I made that year. Take my income that year and you multiply it times 400. That's how much I invested in a coach in 2015. Now that sounds scary. And believe me, it was because I basically got to the end of 2015, December 31st, and I couldn't pay my rent. But here's the coolest part. The following year, 2016, because of what I learned through that investment and because of my dedication and tenacity, I made my income. So if you, if you then take 2015's income and you multiply it by 25, that's how much I made in 2016. So I 25 times my income in one year because I hired this coach. That's a 2,500% growth in under a year. And so people come to me even and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're very expensive. And I'm like, depends on how you look at it. If you only look at it from the perspective of I invested 400 times what I made that year. Yeah, it's expensive. If you look at it on the other side from I made 25 times my income in under a year not so expensive. You can start to see where like, oh, that investment actually like, I saw a massive return on investment. And then I can tell you as well, that was just 2016. 2017, 2018, and 2019 have all had similar num- like similar results. Now 2020, I'm expanding even more. And I'm expecting to five times my income this year. And I can tell you that a lot of it is still from that one coaching investment I made in 2015. So was it expensive at the time? Yeah, it was expensive at the time. If I look back on it now, I would 100% say I would absolutely make that investment again. And I'm so happy that I did because I don't think I'd be here talking to you today if I hadn't. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's really important for our audience like to hear that because sometimes they're like, oh, but you know, so whatever it is that they need to invest on, it can be a coach or it can be uh, maybe something that they need for their production process or something to streamline their operations, whatever it is. Oh, it's so expensive, but they don't, I mean, looking at it from the point of view, like you just mentioned of this is an investment, like, yes, sure. Right now you need to, I don't know, pay whatever amount it is that you need to shell out for it. And it might be a lot more than you're making an income, as it was your case. But then um, in the future, you're going to see how that pays off. However, and I'm going to point this out because it's also important, and you mentioned it, but I'm going to point it out again. You said, uh, through my tenacity and my work. 
So it's not only about I'm going to I'm going to you know invest in whatever it is I'm investing doesn't matter. It's also about working through the whole thing, like using that tool, integrating it into your process, integrating it into your business, or even your personal life. If you're talking about, for example, a life coach, if you don't make the work, then it's not going to work as well as you know it should. Well, and that's part of what the investment is for, like on a psychological level. Anyone that's listening right now, look back. Like we've all bought online courses, right? Spend a hundred bucks, you buy an online course. I can go in the back end of my online portal and see how many people have actually completed the courses that they purchased for me. And I can tell you that 90% of the people don't ever do anything with the courses that they purchased for me. So if you're investing on a hundred dollar level, it's not painful enough for your brain to want to show up and do the work to make the change that you want to see in your life or business. So personally, and I tell people this, I price all of my programs outside of people's comfort zones because if you're staying in your comfort zone, you're never going to create the change you want. You're going to create more of the same over and over and over and over again. If you're stretching yourself and you're really putting yourself out there, I mean, I literally got to the end of 2015. I was applying for waitressing jobs. I threw myself so far out of my comfort zone that like, I basically put, pushed my back against the wall because no one would hire me because I was overqualified. My parents wouldn't give me money. Like there, there were no other options. And so I pushed my back against the wall so hard that I had no other option than to succeed and to make it work. And I'll tell you that that January 2016, I made three times more than my 2015 salary in that single month. And it was because I stretched myself. It was because I put myself out of my comfort zone. It was because I didn't just buy a $100 program and then let it sit. I forced myself to put my, like, into a situation that would give me no other option than but to succeed. This is, it's really powerful, people. <laughs> if you're listening to this, this is very inspiring, Brie. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And it's hard because like it's one, it's the exact opposite of what we're taught. And two, our brain has a really difficult time wrapping itself around these concepts. And so, yeah. and I'll tell you, it doesn't get any easier either. Last year, well, last year, what year is it now? 2018. <laughs> um I said last year yeah, today to someone and they were like, wait a minute, like as in like a month ago, December. And I was like, no, 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 2018. So in 2018, I made another big investment with another coach to help me really expand. And it was terrifying. I didn't even have a 10th of the investment in my bank account at the time I said yes to it. But again, I made it happen. I just hired a woman to help me with some parts and pieces of my business. And I'm building out my team a lot. And like, it's scary. No matter how many times you make the decision to invest this like money and like really put stuff into yourself and your business, our brain always wants to talk us out of it. And for me, it's just been about retraining my brain rather than letting it go on default and take me back into my comfort zone perpetually time and time again. Yeah, that's what, you know we should all do. <laughs> I <daily>. agree. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, 
a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So, Brie, changing subjects, you used to write, was it for the Huffington Post? Can you remind me? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that article because I really want to dive in with you into the child-free subject. Yes. Yes. So in 2014, long story short, Ariana um, Huffington invited me to start writing for the Huffington Post. And at the time I was doing this cool interview project called the Inspirational Woman Project. And so I was like, oh, perfect. I'll just feature all the interviews of all the women that I talked to on the Huffington Post. And then I started just really feeling inspired to kind of write my own pieces. And I don't even know why. There was like a little inkling that just kind of came up that was like, oh, you should write an article about being child-free. And so I sat down and wrote an article, what it's really like to be a child-free woman. And I talked about the microaggressions that we face. I talked about battling the healthcare industry. I talked about the assumptions and the projections and the judgments and all of that stuff. And I put it in an article and I hit publish. And immediately after I had like a full-blown panic attack. <laughs> like, what did I just do? <laughs> um, and because at the time, like, so uh, listeners will find out, I got sterilized in 2012. So um, at the time, my, like my grandmother didn't even know. It was nothing that I talked about publicly. And I'm a very public person. And so my, like, my two best friends knew and my mom knew. And I, you know, that was pretty much it. And so here I do, I write this article about being a child-free woman and being sterilized. And I had this, like, it was, I had a full-blown panic attack. And then usually they approved the articles within 24 hours. I didn't hear back for like four days. And then I was even more panicked because I was like, oh, they hated it. It was bad. They're never publishing it, blah, 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 blah. They were waiting to publish it until the weekend because they knew they would have a bigger readership. And the blog went viral literally like within the first hour that it hit the airwaves. It was on the front page of Huffington Post. It was translated into Spanish, French, and German. It was read on all the continents. It was like, it was passed around. People were sharing it on Facebook that like, I didn't even know. A friend of mine's a stylist and she was meeting with a client and this client was like, I just read the best article in Huffington Post about this child-free woman and all the things she goes through. And my girlfriend looked up and was like, oh, Brie. And the woman was like, oh my God, you know her. You know her. She's amazing. And like, just had all these cool stories come back to me. But it's, um, it was a good article. It was, it was a little scary to write. Um, but I'm ultimately glad that I did it because I know how much it's helped other child-free women find acceptance with their choice and their journey. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, just... When I met you and we started talking about, I hadn't actually read the article when I met you. I read it afterwards. And I think, I mean, at that time, uh, I think there was a lot less people than there are now talking about this subject. Yes. And, but it is so important to put it out there. And I was talking to somebody today, actually, about this, uh, the whole thing of, you know, talking about being child-free and our choice. And how important it is to carry the conversation, not because we want to convert women into, you know, becoming child-free, not because we want the younger generations who are not moms yet to be like, oh, okay, I'm never, ever going to have kids or, you know, whatever. It's not about that. It's, it's about showing these women that there are choices, that there's yep. 
that there, there's a possibility of living a very fulfilling and happy life without becoming, you know, without having to become a mother because motherhood is still so instilled in our minds, in our societies in general, yep. that a lot of women don't even know they have a choice. So the conversation... And it's funny you mentioned that. Um, yeah. I actually had... So I grew up in the Midwest. So you and I have talked a little bit about how we come from similar-ish cultures. Like I grew up in the Midwest. It's expected of you that, you know, you go to college. You, I, there were a lot of girls I knew that were in college with me that were literally there to meet a husband. Like that was their mission for college. One girl even told me, she's like, I chose the easiest major because I don't care what my degree's in because I know I'm never working. I'm just here to meet a husband. Yeah. So in the Midwest, you go to college, you meet your husband, you you know, right after college, get married, you get a job, you work for a few years, then you get pregnant. That like, and it's just like this path is like laid out in front of you. You end up popping out two to five children. And I wrote this article and one of the girls that I went to college with in North Dakota, she was in my sorority, emailed me afterwards and said, I read your article and I have four children now. And had I known back then that I had a different option, so I didn't even know that having children was an option or not having children was like, she's like, I only ever knew there was one choice and it was already made for me that I was having children. Yeah. And it blew my mind that like women just don't even know that they cannot have children. Yeah. It, it oh my, it's like crazy, right? Yeah. I, I can't believe that that's just not like, we don't know that we have options for our lives. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, for me, the first time I realized that I was also mind blown for two reasons. First of all, I was that person too. Like I thought that I was going to, you know, have to follow that same path. I was actually on that same path. Not, I of course didn't, you know, go to college to find a husband because I did want to travel before, but I was in a relationship not long ago in which I was actually seriously thinking about marrying this guy and having children with him, even though deep down, this was not the life that I wanted. And so when I actually like realized for myself that I had a choice, I was like, oh my God, why hadn't I thought about this? But then I started talking to other childhood women and this is so common. And it like literally just blows my mind that it's, it's, I mean, women in general, um, we are so suppressed by the patriarchy in so many ways, but this is full on mind fuckery. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're born and that's it. You have to have children because you have a uterus. You have to fucking use it. And it's like, no, if I don't want to, I won't use it. You know? Well, and a lot of it too is, is, you know, obviously, um, perpetuating the population perpetuates capitalism and consumerism. So like, there's a reason <laughs> that we are sold. Well, oh, well, it's a few reasons, right? Like that's one of the reasons is to keep consumerism and capitalism going. And then the other one is, of course, that, you know, if women were to really truly fully understand their power, the patriarchy wouldn't exist. So it's yeah. like, these narratives are really the way to just like keep the system running as is, even though the system sucks. 
mm-hmm. and like just keep it keep it churning because the second we start questioning things, the system breaks down and it just I mean, I think our world is going to be better on the other side of it. I keep hoping the systems all break down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's a lot of it just changes a lot of people's lives when uh there aren't uh, a good amount of people like continuing to procreate. Yeah. No, I mean, of course, there's a whole, you know, the whole, there's the whole, like the political and economical, how do you call it? Do you say economical? I'm not even sure that's the word. The financial interests yes. uh, behind perpetuating, uh, you know, uh, population or even growing it for sure. Mm-hmm. But some people don't even think about it in that way. You know, some people are like, no, no, you're just supposed to have kids. They don't really, it makes them really uncomfortable to think about it, basically. Because it is standing up and facing the status quo and saying, no, this is not right. You know, in whatever way uh, you want to see it. What I'm saying is, it is not that it's not right to have children. If women want to have children, that's fine. I hope, I would hope that more women who want to have children would actually take more time to think about it though. That's for sure. Well, and that, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation is that like values conversation and that just like taking the time to get to know yourself. Like I've always been very lucky. I was my first 10 years, my sister was born when I was 10. So my first 10 years, I was an only child and I got to like know myself because one, there was no one else to really know. <laughs> we lived outside of town and, and the town I we lived in, um, the, the tiny, tiny town we lived, we were like a town next to a town. Um, and it was population 400. Wow. So like I had one friend in the tiny little town we lived. I, my entire childhood was just getting myself but that's not the case for most people. So I knew at a very young age, I didn't want kids. My mom actually remembers me telling her at the age of five, I didn't want to have kids. Um, but that's not the case for everyone. Like we, most people don't get the opportunity to understand themselves or to get to know themselves. And I, I feel like that would just significantly change the amount of women that were, that have children and, and really truly getting to know yourself in a way of like, what's best for me? What do I want? not what's best for those around me and what's expected of me. Yes, yes. Well, it's uh, like always, it's such a pleasure talking to you, Brie. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. But before I let you, I know I wish it could have like more time, but you know, we can do a (laughs) follow-up episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, But before I let you go, though, I really want to, you know, give you some time for you to you know, tell my audience whatever you want to, whatever you want to tell them. It's your, your space. Yeah. Um, I love connecting with, you know, child-free women of all kinds and sorts. And, you know, just, I, I, I think it's really important that we kind of form a community and just really support each other because there's a lot of not supportive stuff out there for us. And, and it's just, it's unfortunate. It doesn't have to be that way. So my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. I love Instagram. So um, come hang with me on Instagram. My name's Bree Seely. Uh, I'm the I'm like the only Bree Seely on Instagram. And you know, feel free. I would love to get messages from people, or you know, 
anything, I, I love talking to women um, and supporting them in being child-free. So Instagram's the best way to, way to find me. You're also welcome to go check out my website if you're an entrepreneur, uh, breezeelite.com. And uh, you're always welcome to reach out to me and the team if, uh, if you need support growing your business. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Bree. And for you, uh, uh, my firecrackers, I'm going to leave you in the description of this episode, all of Bree's uh, contact information on her website and her social media handle so you can go and find her easily. She posts a lot of really cool content. So really go out and look for her. And uh, well, thanks again for your time. It was such a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for holding this space and for inviting me to be a guest. I loved it. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, Continue fueling your inner fire.